Live from the WTAD studios in the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it's time to pull up a chair and assemble today's WTAD News Roundtable. Point of note, you leave cookies in the studio, the News Roundtable will eat them. Heck yes, we will. Good stuff. Some found Girl Scout cookies in here. These are the new ones, right? And what are they called? Lemon Ups. Lemon Ups. With uh, uh, motivational sayings on the front of them, a little lemon icing uh, on the bottom. These are what? Shortbread cookies? What are these? I would call them that. Uh, shortbread with a lemon flavor to it. <laughs> you know you, what, though? What did yours say? I don't know. It's gone. I need another <laughs> one. <laughs> I need another sample. I, di- I didn't know. Uh, there you go. See, this one tastes a little bit better. What does that one say? I'm a risk taker. (laughs) Mine said I am strong as I added it to my increasing girth of my belly, so yeah. Mine said I am gutsy. The punchline was, hey, is that a fat joke? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I like it. It's not an overwhelming lemon. It's just to enhance... The, the the cookie place. So uh, and that's the new one. Girl Scout cookies go on sale Friday. I love when Girl Scout uh, cookies do lemon stuff. It's perfect with tea, and I like my uh, Earl Grey with the uh, Girl Scout cookies. Oh, listen to you! I like <laughs> my Earl Grey with the pinky out with a bit of <laughs> lemon, <laughs> no, and no, I no. look upon the peasants milk. as they work upon my estate. Oh, how lovely! You put milk in Earl Grey, not lemon. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm not of the upper class. I wouldn't know that. Be proper about it. So, yes, of course. Uh, last night, uh, the president delivered the State of the Union address. And if you were watching carefully, you could see uh, Darren LaHood in attendance, uh, getting up, sitting down, getting up, sitting down, getting up, sitting down. Uh, we had an opportunity to talk with Representative LaHood uh, about 40 minutes ago. We pre-recorded with him. And uh, Scott and I sat down with him, and we'll uh, have that interview for you on the back half of today's show. Uh, first things first, though, in with all the latest from the WT80 newsroom, say good morning to Scott Hardy. Good morning, Quay. Good morning, everybody. And I apologize. I don't have a doily for my smartphone here on the table. I'll try to remedy that. <laughs> schools are starting to say they'll dismiss early due to the impending snowstorm. Those schools include all Hannibal schools. There'll be no afternoon classes at the Early Childhood Center or Hannibal Career and Tech Center. Hannibal High dismisses at 1130, Hannibal Middle School at 1155, and the elementary schools at 1215. Palmyra schools will dismiss at 1245. We will keep you updated throughout the afternoon here and on our social media, especially on Twitter, to let you know of er any other early school dismissals. An investigation is underway after an early morning fire in Quincy. Crews were called around 545 a.m. at 18th and Highland Drive for a house on fire. Details are scarce, but everyone in the home got out safely. Families being helped by the American Red Cross. Community group that wants to see voters approve a 53-cent property tax hike for the Quincy Public Schools on next month's ballot plan to hold another forum tonight. The first of three meetings at John Wood Community College is set for tonight at 6.30 in campus meeting rooms D24 and D25. group will hold two other meetings, February 24th and March 12th. The March meeting will be at the Mary Ellen Orr Auditorium. Officials say the presentation itself will take less than an hour, but officials will gladly answer all questions about the proposed referendum. In December, the QPS board voted to put a 53-cent tax hike on the March 17th ballot. If passed, that referendum would generate an estimated $5.3 million a year. QPS says that would cover the cost of the new state mandates of a $15 per hour minimum wage and a $40,000 minimum teacher salary. 
group says the additional funding would also meet the needs of a, quote, constantly evolving educational system, end quote. Quincy police say that an hours-long standoff with an armed man in the 1100 block of York Street ended before just before 6 p.m. Tuesday. Police used a camera device to look into the room before entering. Police Chief Rob Copley says that officers arrived on scene around 11.15 a.m. that morning and had been working with the man to get him out. Copley said the man was armed with a rifle-style gun as well. And Copley said that after seven hours of negotiations, they were able to uh, take the man into custody. The 52-year-old man did have a warrant for failing, failing to appeal on, appear in court rather on charges of meth possession and several traffic violations. Hy-Vee stores are doing away with 24-hour service. Representative from Hy-Vee says that all Hy-Vee stores that are currently open 24 hours will go to an open schedule that involves closing at night. Hy-Vee says the change is due to a drop in customers during the later hours. That will impact both Quincy locations and the Fort Madison, Iowa location. The Keokuk change, the Keokuk location changed their hours to 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. That went into effect on Monday. New hours for the uh, Quincy stores and Fort Madison stores will start Monday, February 10th. Both Quincy locations will open at 5 a.m. and will close at midnight. The Fort Madison will join, the Fort Madison location will join the Keokuk location that will be open at 6 a.m. and close at 11 o'clock as well. Culver Stockton College says its plans to uh, build a, a new building on campus have received a major boost. Schools announced that the construction of a facility to house its Student Experience Center has received a $100,000 challenge grant from the JE and LE Maybe Foundation. In order to get the money, Culver Stockton will have to raise the over $560,000 balance for the project. Culver Stockton says the grant will help complete the one and a quarter million dollar construction project. That's part of the school's Changing Lives comprehensive campaign. Culver says that so far over 80% of the funding has been raised to meet the challenge grant. The proposed learning center will serve as a lab and display area for the college's experiential learning program. Former city manager of Center, Missouri, accused in a July shooting involving Rawls County's sheriff and chief deputy, will have a new judge hear her case. Tracy Ray was due to be arraigned Tuesday in Rawls County Circuit Court. That hearing was delayed as a defense motion for a new judge was granted by Judge Rachel Bringer Shepard. The Missouri Supreme Court will now assign a new judge. Ray faces two counts of first-degree assault and two counts of armed criminal action. The counts are in connection with a July 2nd incident near Spencer Creek after Ray allegedly confronted law enforcement with a firearm. She allegedly injured Rawls County Sheriff Gary Dinwiddie and Chief Deputy Ronald Haunt. Both men returned fire and injured Ray. Ray was fired by the city of Center the next day after allegations surfaced that she hadn't filed the city's required financial statements with the state of Missouri since 2015. City's facing over $140,000 in fines, and the state auditor's office is investigating. Ray is free on $2,500 cash bond. Hannibal Fire Department is one step closer to getting critical equipment to allow firefighters to breathe easier during a crisis. Hannibal City Council has approved the purchase of new breathing apparatus for firefighters. Uh, the uh, city's finance director, Karen Burdett, says the breathing apparatus needs replacements every four to five years. City would apply for a grant, which would cover 35% of the cost. According to Burdett, the city tried to apply for the grant before, but was told that they must sign off on the purchase before applying for the grant. And a four-month search for a Louisiana-Missouri man who was wanted by authorities has ended with his capture. KHQA-TV's Chad Douglas has more. A man wanted by Louisiana-Missouri police is now in custody. Shane Parsons has been wanted by the Louisiana Police Department since October 5th. Surveillance video from that day shows Parsons and Stacy Brown going into a motel together. Parsons is shown on video leaving the next morning alone. During the time the two were in the motel together, Brown died. On Monday, Parsons led Lincoln County, Missouri deputies on a short foot chase. The chase ended safely and Parsons was taken 
taken into custody, where he was interviewed by investigators about the October 5th incident. Thank you very much, Chad. That is a look at the latest in local news. Of course, we'll have more for you throughout the afternoon right here on WTAD.com and also on our social media pages, including Twitter and Facebook, including the arrest of a name that might sound familiar to several folks, especially those who keep up to date with happenings in the district over the past few years. We'll have that for you this afternoon right here on WTAD. All right, and uh, remind me again, rooms D24 and 25? Yes, that'll be for tonight. And for that second meeting as well on February 24th, and then the March meeting, that will be held at the Mary Ellen Orr Auditorium. March meetings at the Mary Ellen Orr Auditorium. Okay, mm-hmm. what time tonight? 6.30. That's, that's the plan as of right now. Ah, yes, as I noticed the snow beginning to accumulate uh, on the sidewalks and vehicles uh, downtown. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's actually looking like it's uh, snowing now, not the occasional flurries. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much, sir. 10.15, mm-hmm. we'll take a timeout. When we come back, Scott and I will sit down with Representative Darren LaHood following last night's State of the Union address on the News Roundtable. WTAD. Very pleased to have joining us this morning on the News Roundtable, fresh from the State of the Union address last night, uh, Representative Darren LaHood. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Quade. Good to be with you and your listeners. How are your uh, uh, upper thighs and uh, your core after being up and down 129 (laughs) times last night? You know what? I'm feeling it a little bit today. It was a lot of up and down. My hands are hurting from clapping, but uh, it was all good. It was all positive. There was a lot of energy in the chamber last night, and uh, I thought it was a great speech. Uh, I thought he delivered it very well. Uh, and I heard a lot of people afterwards from my district come in. It made them feel good to be Americans and how patriotic they thought the speech was. Yeah, President Trump led with uh, calling it the Great American Comeback and then went through and cited all of the accomplishments over the last three years. A lot of people cited this as essentially the kickoff to the campaign for uh, the election in November. But he touched on a lot of different things. There were a lot of different uh, places that got focused on uh, during the speech. Which one stood out most to you? Well, a couple things. First of all, I'm glad he never mentioned impeachment. I think the Democrats thought he was going to talk about that. He never talked about that, which I think says a lot about him. But he focused on three areas that I think we have been successful in in this country. The economy and where we're at with a record level of prosperity, more people working in this country than ever before. We've moved 7 million people off food stamps, and there is a recognition with low unemployment that this country is back economically, and that's a positive thing. Secondarily, on trade. Our farmers, our manufacturers rely on international trade. And uh, today we have four trade agreements with our four largest trading partners, Mexico, Canada, China, Japan, and and how important that is uh, in a country where we're only 4.5% of the world's population. And so trade equals jobs and economic opportunities in central, west central Illinois, but also across the country. And then I thought on national security, the president did an excellent job talking about taking out uh, al-Baghdadi and taking out Soleimani, two terrorists that have hurt Americans. And I thought he weaved in, uh, you know, the, 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 the family um, up in the balcony, particularly the young woman who was killed by al-Baghdadi, murdered uh, by this terrorist. And the fact that America is safer because our military took out these two terrorists and I think that was inspiring, um, and I think it said uh, a lot. The president delivered the speech well. He stuck to the teleprompter. And then lastly, particularly at the end, Quaid, he talked about 
the fabric of America and our best days are ahead of us. And that was really inspirational in talking about the greatness of America in a really bipartisan way. And then lastly, uh, he talked about our challenges to the future, which clearly there's, we, we have some deficiencies and things we have to work on in a bipartisan way. Our guest this morning, uh, Representative Darren LaHood, fresh from the State of the Union speech uh, last night. Let's start with the economy. You were there when the USMCA got signed. Uh, how quickly do you think we'll see the effects of the USMCA in Illinois and your district? Um, I, I think it's going to happen rather quickly. Um, if you talk to our farmers, uh, they want certainty. They want predictability. And when you lock in trade agreements, particularly with Mexico and Canada, uh, that's going to allow purchase agreements to happen, the flow of goods to go back and forth, particularly um, for corn and soybeans and pork um, and poultry and sorghum and wheat and all those things that we produce in Illinois. That will happen. Right now, well over 90% of the corn that Mexico imports comes from the United States. Breaking down these tariffs, breaking down these barriers between the countries is going to help for goods to continue to flow. Um, and I'll th- I think you'll see those purchase agreements um, come, come to fruition here uh, very, very quickly uh, as farmers begin to plant uh, a little bit later in the spring. Forty percent of the products we grow, produce, or manufacture in Illinois go to Mexico or Canada. With this agreement in place, that is only going to go up, and that's a positive for, uh, again, uh, jobs and economic opportunities in our area. One of the uh, guests that the president had in the gallery last night uh, was a uh, young girl who wanted to uh, go to the school of her choice, and he provided her an opportunity scholarship. I know you're a big believer in uh, private school, school choice. Uh, how far do you think this uh, can move forward? The president said uh, no parent should be forced to send their child to a failing government school. Do you think there's traction for that in the House? Well, listen, raising that last night, using her and her mother who has sacrificed so much, um, as an example, I think highlights the need for giving students a choice, particularly in our urban areas. Um, Through no fault of their own, sometimes they're born into poverty and circumstances that don't allow them to go to the best schools. But talking about uh, school choice, talking about these opportunity scholarships has to continue to be part of the dialogue. And I thought it was uh, ironic that even Nancy Pelosi did not stand up, did not clap for that young girl. Uh, and the opportunity she's going to have with school choice. And this should not be a partisan issue. It really shouldn't. This should be an American issue. But uh, I think you're going to find Republicans continue to be supportive of that. Hopefully we can find some like-minded Democrats that want to come on to help uh, young women, uh, young girls like her that we saw last night. I thought the president did a good job in highlighting that. And he also didn't just, uh, you know, bag on, uh, you know, state government schools. He also had the uh, pledge from uh, to American workers uh, that has 400 companies providing new jobs and education opportunities for Americans, but also vocational and technical education put back in every single high school in America. This was something when we were growing up was in every school, but over the years it's kind of dwindled. How important is that to have re-implemented? Well, Quaid, it's vitally important. When I travel around my district, uh, and I've heard it a lot in Quincy, um, you know, one of the biggest complaints we hear from employers is they can't find enough quality, skilled workers. Um, and, and not everyone's going to go to a four-year university. And getting back to focusing on technical school and talking about both vocational school and trade school, um, that has to be part of, uh, of the fabric of America. It has to be part of our next-generation workforce. And if we want to keep this economy going, and so, yes, investing, as the president said, again, 
Um, that, that, that was an issue last night that got bipartisan support on both sides of the aisle, and it should. Um, but if we, uh, if we got to invest, and I think you'll see um, bipartisan movement in the House to help fund that uh, here in the next year, and we ought to do that, uh, but it's important that we um, continue to, to find skilled labor and get young people involved in the trades uh, and, and uh, technical education, and that will pay dividends long-term for us. Another thing that the president brought up last night was an executive order uh, requiring price transparency on uh, some prescriptions. Uh, have you seen legislation uh, about that that can be built onto that executive order? Well, we've had a lot of legislation, Quaid, on bringing down the high cost of prescription drugs. And frankly, we've been deficient as a Congress on addressing this. Um, you know, for a long time, we've uh, let the drug companies, the pharmaceutical companies, try to self-regulate themselves. That clearly has not worked. No one, you know, you, companies and businesses don't like regulation, the government coming in. However, if you don't bring down the, the cost of prescription drugs and continue to gouge customers, whether they're seniors or people that need prescriptions, we have to step in and do something. The president supports that. Many Republicans support that and Democrats support that. And so there, I think you'll see legislation here in the next three months, uh, some of it through the Ways and Means Committee that I sit on that will go to the president, that are going to hold these drug companies accountable, particularly more transparency so we know how much money they're making and, and where that money's going. Secondarily, holding them accountable for gouging people and taking advantage of people. And there's example after example after example where they continue to do that. So, again, this is a bipartisan issue. We ought to work together, Republicans and Democrats, to do that, we need to bring relief uh, to, to citizens when it comes to the high cost of prescription drugs. Congressman Scott Hardy here at WTAD News. Would one way to uh, do that be to perhaps shorten the length of time that a drug company has an actual patent on that drug before it becomes a generic drug? I think that absolutely has to be on the table. Um, they've been resisted to doing that, Scott, but I think that has to be. If you look at uh, the, uh, again, I don't think we, we should model exactly the European model or the Canadian model, but there has to be a balance. But I think that has to be on the table. Um, and, and again, um, that gets to transparency and again, holding these drug companies accountable. They can't just unfettered continue to engage in the activities that they're doing. Um, and, and that is our, what you just described is already in a couple pieces of legislation. Um, and, and I think we'll be part of the conversation, uh, when we eventually reach a, a final bill. Our guest this morning, uh, Darren LaHood, uh, representative for uh, our district. Last night, the Ways and Means Committee tweeted out that the House GOP offered uh, for the very first vote of the 116th Congress a bill protecting pre-existing conditions. Uh, and then they noted that uh, all the Democrats voted against it. That's, that's on the ledger that the pre-existing conditions was brought up and the Democrats voted against it? Absolutely. And, and listen, um, I know the Democrats were whining last night. The president mentioned that, but the president's been consistent. Remember, when Obamacare uh, came out, um, it, it obviously did not work the way that Democrats thought it was going to work, and, and all the things that were promised um, didn't happen. Now, we have been consistent, and the president's been consistent. There are a couple things in, in the Obamacare we ought to keep in there. One is protecting pre-existing conditions and to your point we did vote on that and democrats voted against it um, secondarily being able to keep your kids on the parents insurance till 26 we ought to keep that in there so those are foundational things we ought to build off um, when when we talk about fixing health care bringing in more competition driving down costs giving people more options being able to go across state lines for insurance 
which is important in an area like Quincy where you can go over to Missouri or Iowa or look at other places. You can't do that right now. Our point is, yes, you have to protect pre-existing conditions, um, and, and that has to be part of the, 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 the solution um, to any bill that we bring forth. So then are you opposed to the uh, lawsuit that's been filed by uh, numerous Republican attorney generals and backed by the Trump administration that wants to do away with pre-existing conditions and, in fact, all of Obamacare then? Well, listen, I think that particular lawsuit, and I follow that, deals with a, the broader perspective of health care. doesn't get to the specifics of pre-existing conditions, but I think it highlights, um, Scott, that you know, th- when we think about what we're going to do with health care, Again, there's a couple things to keep in there, but um, that lawsuit deals with Obamacare as a whole, uh, and, and there are many things that I am critical about with Obamacare for my constituencies that have not come, uh, the, the reality of what it was promised has not come through on that. So, um, again, I will go back to, I support protecting pre-existing conditions, I support keeping kids on your insurance, but everything else as a part of Obamacare I think needs to be revised, fixed, and, and uh, changed uh, because it hasn't worked the way it was supposed to. Our guest this morning, Representative Darren LaHood, uh, I know that you're short on time, and uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning on the News Roundtable. Uh, always great to be with you guys, and appreciate being on with you and your listeners. The News Roundtable will reconvene tomorrow morning at 10.06 a.m. on AM 930 WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com.